1: Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. In of the Purple Podcast from Chicago, we are uh, standing in a sweet, overlooking Soldier Field after a sour performance from the Minnesota Vikings. And yes, I just came up with that line off the top of my head. The Vikings were just about as bad as that line was tonight in a 20-10 loss to the Chicago Bears that now drops them to 5-2 and two and opens up Ooh. yet another round of questions about the offensive line. But in addition to that, tonight we saw the Vikings' defense really for the first time this season... Uh, leave with a lot of questions to answer. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN.com. I cover the Vikings for them. Joined, as always, by Matthew Collar from 1500 ESPN and 1500 ESPN.com. Judd Zolgad, due to our somewhat Spartan technological arrangements, is not with us tonight, but we will certainly hear from the sports grinch later this week, I would imagine. Matthew will have to uh, get by with the two of us for now. The Vikings tonight, i I got to be honest, I thought this was a game they'd come out looking sharp. I didn't think that they were going to come out looking as flat and disinterested at times as I thought they did and and uh it was certainly surprising to see that were you equally uh thrown off by it
0: I had left open in my mind the possibility of a 7 to 6 old school Chicago bears and Minnesota Vikings matchup from the purple people eater days where they were just battling it out in the trenches and so forth. So I, I think had, the uh, bears
1: sucked during the purple people y- eater yeah, days.
0: Well, you get what I'm saying. Just yeah. just roll with it. Just roll with it. Dick Buckus was in the house tonight. My point is just it could have been old school. I I thought it could be some sort of battle where the Vikings defense was sacking Cutler and the offensive line for the Vikings was falling apart. And Pernell McPhee, who's a terrific player, was back in the lineup tonight, causing a lot of problems for the Vikings. What I didn't see coming was Jay Cutler coming out and having a really strong night against the Vikings. And maybe even more than that, Jordan Howard lighting them up for 153 yards. Stunning to see a running back going all over this team because that has not happened at any point this year.
1: Yeah, it really hasn't happened to that degree since Carlos Hyde in the Monday night opener last year. And when you are putting a game in the same sentence as that one, it's probably not a good thing for the Vikings. I mean, they've had a number of, of Monday night stinkers. Uh, in recent years, I think it's is probably fair to say the the fact that this one is in the conversation. I and mean, we were talking about it in the press box, like, I mean, I think before they scored the last touchdown, when it was 20 to three, like if it got to 27 to three or something like that, the Josh Freeman game was being invoked. Oh, wow. And the fact that I, I don't know if it was quite that bad, but on some level, it might have been given the fact that this was the 32nd ranked offense in the league. You have the best defense in the league and they shredded them for 403 yards. It. it I mean, it wasn't probably quite as odious as the Josh Freeman game was, but uh, from from a team that kind of prides itself on defense and and prides itself on being able to to shut people down and has done it to a lot better offenses than this one, they really were not able to do it tonight.
0: If we run through the quarterbacks that this Minnesota Vikings defense made look really bad, I mean – there are many uh, bigger names than Jay Cutler on yeah. that list. Uh, there's
1: MVPs, there's Super Bowl winners, there's I, MVPs and Super Bowl winners. I,
0: I mean, that's the thing, right? Is that great quarterback after great quarterback went up against the Vikings this year or uh, rookie phenoms supposedly, in Carson Wentz, yep. and they all walked away uh, bloody, frustrated, and looked like they had been either confused all night or just beaten to a pulp. And. Jay Cutler didn't have any of that look at the end of this game, and he really wasn't running for his life. And, and that's where it just I didn't see that part of it coming. I would have expected fully coming into this game that Jay Cutler would be running all over the place or having to try and escape the pocket and making bad or stupid throws or, or looking confused like he hadn't seen what the Vikings were going to throw on tape. And I think what Cutler really did here is made a statement. I mean, he beat the number one defense in the NFL and made a statement like, hey, don't forget about me. Maybe he isn't the the best franchise quarterback. Maybe he's exactly that wrong guy that you would want to be your franchise quarterback, but he still has a lot of talent, and if you underestimate him, he can
1: light you up, and that's what he did. Well, and he's been pretty successful against the Vikings over the years for all of his flaws, and certainly Bears fans will uh, be happy to – uh, extrapolate on those flaws for mm-hmm. you especially as it relates to Cutler's performances against their big rival the Green Bay Packers but he's been pretty good against the Vikings I mean it, really even in in recent years when the Vikings have beat the Bears and the, when they beat them here last year mm-hmm. he was solid and and in the game in 2014 his first one at Soldier Field against Mike Zimmer he picked him apart I and mean, he basically was able to go at Josh Robinson all day and certainly didn't have the luxury of, of anybody like that tonight but he he got he got the better of, of the Vikings with you know a number of different ways of doing it. I mean he was able to hit Alshon Jeffrey later in the game after Xavier Rhodes had pretty well taken Jeffrey out of it early. The fact that the Bears were able to run the ball I think is is probably the big surprise. But and some of the quick throws he made the, the little flip to Jordan Howard that went for a big gain. I mean it it was it was one of those games that you've seen the Vikings have here in the past didn't think this team was going to turn in one of those, though. I mean, that's the surprising thing.
0: And one of the things with Cutler tonight is that he had time in the pocket, whether it was him moving a little bit here yeah. or a little bit there, yeah. but he had time to make some of those plays. It wasn't like Cutler came out and was just quick pass, quick pass, quick pass, and yep. that was the only reason they weren't getting after him. There were a lot of times where he had that chance, the thing that we ha- haven't seen Sam Bradford get the opportunity to do and go through Here's read one, here's read two. Oh, read three is open because I've got three seconds to throw the football. That's just something we haven't seen. And, you know, coming in with this Bears offensive line with Kyle Long hurt and with them just completely dinged up there, I mean, who would have thought that the beasts on the side of minnesota would have been slowed down by a ragtag offensive line for chicago i mean everything the records of these two teams the fact that you would have thought the minnesota team would be extremely you know jacked up to prove that last week was an aberration all the things were going in that direction and yet somehow it uh, it came out the other way maybe a a coworker of yours sometimes says that's why they play the games
1: yeah I, we i guess we, I suppose there's one in particular that says that a lot. He also has a a home run call that he uh, likes to uh, repeat when a a ball is fading from view.
0: And and the Vikings offense is going back, 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 back itself. That's enough of that. (laughs) Uh,
1: The the other thing that I thought was interesting tonight as we talk about the pass rush, I think they blitzed – I think our stats and info people had it at like 24% of Mm -hmm. Cutler's dropbacks, which is probably more in line with what we've seen them do in the past. It's lower, though, than what they've done in a lot of cases this year, and and that's where I do wonder if some of it is – I mean, some of it was probably down in distance, that the the Bears were able to run the ball well enough to not put the Vikings in a ton of obvious passing situations, their defense in a lot of obvious passing situations. But I also wonder – for as much as we talk about that second safety spot kind of being replaceable, I wonder if that was part of it tonight. That at least in the case of you, you can't mix in as many looks with Harrison Smith up at the line if you don't necessarily trust the guy that's back in coverage by himself, especially if you're going to send Harrison Smith. And I haven't looked yet at how many times they did that, but uh, I wonder if that was part of the thinking there.
0: I didn't see a lot of him blitzing. Yeah, and on the f- one of the first plays, the 69-yard run by Jordan Howard. It looked to me like J. Ron Kirst took the wrong angle, and then Howard blew right by him. Not only did they miss a tackle or two, which Mike Zimmer pointed out that they had chances at him, but if that safety position takes the right angle, and then they get down toward the end zone and all of a sudden curse is out of the game which is right. kind of affirmation that he did make a mistake there so it hurt him right away and i mean there's something to be said this goes for any sport right if you've got a number 9 hitter who hits 250 and a handful of home runs yeah. hey that's a lot better than the guys on other teams who hit 200 who are yeah. their nine hitters and sendejo is exactly that sort of solid player who if he can just do what he's asked to do and not too much more. doesn't need to be a star. He's a valuable asset. And really, if you look at the, on the defensive side, he's the first guy to get hurt. I mean, Shreef, yeah, that's Shreef, true. Shreve Floyd went down. Rhodes was dinged up a little bit, but other than that, I mean, this is the first injury that they've really had over there. And maybe that was a big part of it tonight.
1: Yeah, I think that's possible. I mean, I, I would have to go back and look too at you know, games like last December in Arizona when they had, I mean, they had a lot more guys out that night than just mm-hmm. this, but you know, those types of games when they've been down a guy, I, I do wonder if that was part of the reason that they had to sort of simplify things tonight. I mean, whatever it was, they should have enough pass rushers, and they typically do have enough pass rushers to get home when they don't blitz. I mean, when when they send Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, Brian Robison, Tom Johnson, guys like that, that should be enough to get after a quarterback. And I, and I think, you know, it was one of those nights where you see you're reminded that Jay Cutler can move around a little bit. He's, mm-hmm. he's always been able to do that, whether it's rolling the pocket or, or bootlegs or just buying himself a little bit of time. I, I thought he did that pretty well tonight. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a reminder that for all of his faults and all of his warts, and they certainly are plenty, uh, he can still turn in a game like this every once in a while.
0: And he didn't make the big mistake nope I think you were sitting there waiting
1: I know that I, I almost was. did I think Xavier Rhodes dropped one but uh, he did yes he did but that may not have but even at that point I think the Bears were up comfortably and it was not going to be a, a play that would turn into a pick six I didn't think but looks like an overthrow
0: he's usually good for two three of those plays yeah. and you take mm-hmm. advantage of one and you know you've got a pick six or you've got a game-changing play and tonight it just didn't happen and, I, and that's the thing is that I don't know if they underestimated Cutler. I, I always have trouble getting into those things. Were they not motivated enough, or did they give up? Or I, I don't know. It's hard to say. They played tight.
1: I mean, they, and you wonder about that, too.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, well, any of those things I have trouble saying definitively because you're just not them. You're yeah, not you're on not the, the sideline. You don't know. Yeah. But the fact that uh, Jay Cutler played with so much confidence is really i mean it's kind of head-scratching <laughs> i mean to see to see that happen and maybe uh, some combination of all those things that i just said did exist of a little bit of trying too hard to bounce back from last week or whatever it may have been but he reminded us that he's a very talented quarterback and uh I, maybe there was some level of underestimating him
1: yeah it's certainly possible that that was the case i i think uh you know as as the bears go forward i mean obviously they're going to have to make their decisions about whether he's in their future or not and i would expect they have already probably made that decision and i would assume the answer to that is that he's not in their future but you know he's probably auditioning for somebody to to make them make him their starting quarterback next year and i'm i'm sure that's in his mind and i'm sure there's a little bit of a okay you know you guys thought you were done with me i mean you heard the quote this week where mm-hmm. he said yeah you got asked about John Fox having confidence in him he said yeah, he doesn't really have a choice <laughs> so I mean there might have been a little bit of defiance there but whatever it was it certainly uh was enough to to put the Vikings in a bad spot and the question going forward now they're five and two they had a chance to go up two games again in the NFC North after the Packers lost to the Falcons yesterday They didn't do it. you have the Detroit Lions coming in next week who have I guess kind of been a mixed bag they're they're four and four and they've played like a four and four team but you have another quarterback in Matthew Stafford who I think has played pretty well this season, and uh, a team that's going to be able to put some pressure on Sam Bradford. I, you can't let this turn into three losses in a row. I, I, I wouldn't think that they would, but you know you heard a couple guys say this week that good teams don't lose two in a row, and, and uh, it'll be interesting to see my my big takeaway for the week is how do they approach this now? do they now that they're in a, a little bit of a funk? How do they keep this thing from uh, turning into a bigger problem? I mean, it does
0: have that feeling when you lose a game that is so disappointing and not only just a loss to a pretty poor team, a loss on Monday night football, like on the road on Halloween. It's got hype to it. It's got a little like, I don't know, festival like atmosphere going
1: outside. Like when the guys that are in the like there were ushers in the press box were in like face paint and costumes and stuff
0: yeah there was there was a certain atmosphere to this that sort of said I'm not saying that I predicted any of this was going to happen but just you know walking in here and there was a little bit of like you know I think the Bears are going to be loose tonight I mean like there's really nothing to lose and like you said about Cutler I mean one of his biggest problems has always seemed to be motivation yeah and well he's motivated now because he's going to want a starting job next year And, and we asked earlier this week which uh, Jay Cutler is going to show up? Will it be the motivated one that wants to prove himself, or will it be the guy who just gives up? And I think we got the answer to that. But if you go, an- if there's another loss here. I mean, it's going to feel like the entire season is collapsing out from under you when at one time you're at the top of everyone's rankings as the best team in the NFL. Yeah. And if you lose to Detroit, you're you're just average. Well, yeah.
1: especially when the one after that is a trip to Washington and it's not going to be that's easy. going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then Arizona has been up and down, but then they come in in a couple of weeks. I mean, it it looks a lot different at five and two then six and one. I mean, it, you know, not to say that the sky is falling by any means that, you know, they go back home next week and they typically beat the lions at home. I, I, the early thought I have is that they will win that game, but boy, if they don't, then you're starting to talk about things being a lot different than you were talking about just a week or two ago.
0: Yeah, it's not quite the sky falling. Last week was like, oh, a passing shower. Yeah. And now it's like, mm, it's been dark for a while. Yeah. And I th- if they lose next week, you will feel like it's falling. The thing about playing Detroit, and you and I will do another Purple Podcast, hopefully we can get Judd. And yeah, you know,
1: we're, a, we are uh, right now putting out the APB for right. the Sports Grinch this week. Yeah, we're, right. we're putting the... The green Grinch signal in the (laughs) sky. Uh, Sports Grinch, the Vikings practice at, uh, I think, 3 o'clock on Wednesday. That is plenty of time. We'll be recording the podcast. We can go a little later. You get off the air at 1, come out to Winter Park. We we need some hot takes from the Sports Grinch this week, don't we?
0: Yeah, the invitation is there. But there is something... That I think should be a little worrisome about going and facing Matt Stafford. About what happened tonight against the Chicago Bears, which is the fact that some of those short passes turned into long passes yeah, against this team. Yeah, tackling was
1: not very good tonight.
0: It has been an issue, and it's the only issue that the defense has had. But there was a huge play against the New York Giants that yep. was their only yep. big play, but gave the Giants a chance to come back in that game. And yep. I mean, at one point, I mean, they obviously run away eventually. But you know, they. Got that big play off a screen pass, off a short pass where there's lots of yards after reception. If you go look at the air yards, Matt Stafford is one of the, the least in the league, meaning yeah. he's throwing a lot of short passes. A lot different and, than he
1: used to be with yeah, no Megatron.
0: For sure. And now they're relying on that yards after catch. Right. And if that's a problem with the tackling...
1: I mean, You're going to see I, a lot of theoretic on Sunday.
0: Yeah, exactly. That could be a real issue for this team.
1: Yeah, yeah I agree. And I think that's something that... You haven't seen them have as many issues with this year. I mean, they have had times in the past where stopping the run has been a problem and tackling after the initial surge through the line of scrimmage has been part of that problem. And it was, again, a problem tonight. On the long run, I, I thought they had a couple cracks at Jordan Howard. I think Linville Joseph, actually. I mean, it was kind of an odd play because he penetrated really quickly through the line, and, and I whether that was his job or whether it was one of those moments. We've seen him do this a couple times. Uh, most notably as I can think of it against the Packers where he's penetrated and he's lost his gap and then Eddie Lacy was able to make him pay for it I, whether that's what happened there or whether he was supposed to whether he was supposed to do that or whether he was supposed to suck up a blocker I'd have to go back and watch and, and probably ask around a little bit but uh, there were some opportunities to to bring Jordan Howard down after that and that play turned into a big one in part because of the missed tackles and and certainly the bad angle that J. Ron Kirsch took took um, you know for if that is an issue that is a big concern because that's one of those things that it should be pretty fixable. So, you it's not fixable, I guess, and to, to wrap up this point is that I mean, if it, if you don't get it fixed, it's that's a it's not anything anybody's doing to you, that's an unforced error.
0: You've focused a lot on the defense here. Uh, I know that that was your kind of first thing that came to yep. mind. Yep, for me, though, I'm asking the question after tonight is it all circumstances? Or is there some Sam Bradford regression going on here?
1: That is an interesting question. And I I think the fact that their ability to protect him or perhaps his ability to protect himself, I think that's been part of it when, when he's been able to do it. I think some of the fact that he's getting rid of the ball as quickly as he is is part of the reason he hasn't had the pressure issues that Teddy Bridgewater's faced in the past. They haven't been able to do that in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, we we heard him say it after the game. I you know I think you or Derek asked him about not being able to get the ball out as quickly. And, and he said, yeah, it's been an issue. I said, what's led to that? And he said they, they've kept safeties back a little bit more often and, and it hasn't been as much man coverage. I, okay, I mean, but if there's two safeties back, that should lead itself to finding some room underneath to, to take the quick throws. And, and you wonder – In a little bit of, you know, I I guess hindsight, I suppose, is a little bit of what we're doing here. But you wonder a little bit, and when he talked about, okay, the Texans were playing a ton of man coverage, that's easier to read. You know right where you're supposed to go with the ball. And, uh, you know, you you do wonder a little bit if there's still a little bit of, uh, how much do I know this offense? Am I second-guessing myself? or Are there some of those things, especially with – zone blitzes and in, in places where you maybe need to to be able to read something quicker and you, you do wonder if that's a little more of an issue than it had looked to be early in the season there's a party on our podcast and you're invited hey everyone anthony maggio here join me bo mitchell and john Tuve every thursday through week 16 of the nfl season for 1500 espn's fantasy football party podcast Whether you're an office league novice or swimming with the DFS Sharks, we've got all the analysis and mostly dated cultural references you need to make you a winner. Find us on Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, or subscribe on iTunes today.
0: Yeah, we talked about it on Wednesday that if there was any concern over a blueprint being laid out, it was on some of those zone blitzes. Right. And just some of the zones in general that Philadelphia threw at him, he seemed to struggle with finding his man. And I had the same thought as you. When he said, Oh, it's it's the cover one that they were and now they're playing cover two and the Eagles did that last week, two things came to mind. I mean, first of all was well if the Eagles did it last week didn't you think that the Chicago Bears yeah. were going to do it tonight? Yeah. I mean, you and I knew on Wednesdays Chicago Bears are going to do whatever Philadelphia just did because that's how the league works. Right. The other part is I thought if that's how they're going to play, if they're going to play two safeties back, then Cordero Patterson is your man. Yes. I mean, the line of scrimmage, get him the ball, get him in space, make those safeties, try to come up and make a play on him. And if he's got somebody one-on-one in space, he's going to beat them a lot of the time. We didn't see any of that tonight and that really surprised me.
1: Yeah, and I wonder too if I mean we've talked about the run pass options a little bit, but uh if you notice when they run when they throw the ball to Patterson on those, it's almost always when they have they have it's almost always out of that look where they have three receivers to one side. It's usually when there's two defenders over there, not three, that they throw the ball. And Bradford has alluded to it being a numbers thing, right. and, and I do wonder if if it looks like run-pass option in the sense that he's carrying out the action to that, but I, I wonder if he is making a decision pre-snap and not actually reading the play that it looks like a run-pass option, but it's actually just, a, in this case, probably a design play, or maybe it's being handled that way because he's still kind of getting used to things. I don't I don't know that I've seen them throw it to Patterson when there are three defenders over there to the Vikings, three receivers.
0: I think you make a great point about deciding pre-snap where the ball's gonna go. Yeah, I think that's been a
1: lot of how he's done it.
0: There was a throw. Well, there was a throw I pointed out on the purple podcast on Wednesday where it was a dump off to Asiata that just yeah. was puzzling. Like why did why did you have to go there when you had time? There was one tonight early in the game to Stefan Diggs. He stared him down the entire way and then threw into coverage. Yes, yes. And Diggs couldn't make a play
1: on the ball because he was so well covered. And the timing just looked bad on it, too. It did. Where Diggs was just kind of standing there. It's like that play where in Madden where you hold the ball for too long and the (laughs) defender's standing right there and it almost gets picked off. And it's like, why didn't I just throw it on rhythm? Right. Because I don't anticipate things like an NFL quarterback, I suppose. And if other teams, if they have that
0: same sort of impression of him or book on him that – He will make that first read and then go with it every time. Well, I mean, they're going to make the same adjustments that these last two teams did. And that leaves us with questions about the rest of the season and whether he can recapture what he looked like in those first four games. If now the other teams have looked at this offense and said, all right, here's the things that they do. Here's the reads he's going to make when we show him certain things. I mean, this talking about uh, could it become bigger issues? Could the clouds get darker as we go forward? And there's no. There's no place to fall. I mean, you can't fall on a running game when Matt Asiata yeah, is, your, yeah. is your running back. Yeah. You can't fall on your offensive line just carrying you at some point. I mean, you, he is out on an island by himself. And then there's this other creeping little issue. I don't know if you've noticed, but he and Stephon Diggs all of a sudden are not on the same
1: page. Yeah, yeah. We there, there was the one play that we talked about a minute ago, but then there was the deep shot that, Either would have gone for a long gain or a touchdown. I mean, probably a long gain because he had to dive for it. But Bradford led him a hair too far, and that went from being a, a possibly, possibly a big play that changed the flow of the game for the Vikings to a missed opportunity. Diggs tried to make basically that same acrobatic diving catch that he made. Last year in Detroit on the deep ball w- with Teddy Bridgewater and, and quite, wasn't quite able to come down with it. It went off the edge of his fingers. But yeah, they they do not seem to be quite in sync the way they were when they tore the Packers up. And it it does feel a little bit like you know the thing in baseball where you start you get called up and and you start the first two weeks you're you're hitting everything in sight and then the league adjusts to you and all of a sudden you go into a slump. It's like why can't you do it anymore? Well, it's not that. It's just that. People know how to pitch you now, and you have to adjust to the adjustments they're making. And, and you do wonder if, if that is a little bit of it here with uh, with Sam Bradford in the offense.
0: And he's got every everybody just getting hurt around him, too. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't it, help. This goes under the category, I think, of injuries are not an excuse, but they are an explanation sometimes. And yeah. with Jarek McKinnon, I think you and I have talked about a few times where we both were on the same page with, hey, use Jarek McKinnon even more than you're using yes. him. But if you go back to the Giants game, and you go back to the Texans game. Now, I know that at the end of the game against Houston, you look at the yards per carry and you go, well, he's only averaging two yards per carry. The first half of that game, when the game is won, right. he was effective. He was a weapon. And against the Giants, he was a weapon. There were even times against Carolina where he busted off a few good runs and showed you he's explosive. There are big plays in there. Asiata's longest run tonight is seven <laughs> yards. Yeah, And that's, I think, on the wildcat play, too. Yeah. I,
1: then, yeah, and that was a lot of it after contact. He dragged is, a couple guys with it.
0: There is no big play threat if he's out. Yeah, and I think that hurts Sam Bradford tonight because every time they were in a run look, it was like, well, we don't have to worry about you know a guy busting one big against us.
1: Yeah, and I suppose that's. I mean, you talk about they're playing cover two. I mean, yeah, that that allows them to keep a top on the defense, but it also allows those guys to keep the play in front of them and come down and make tackles if they, if they have to jump in to do so because they're, be able, they're able to run downhill and everything in front of them. And I think it we haven't seen Cordero Patterson turn anything into a, a big gain because they've been able to take that away. We haven't seen him connect with Stephon Diggs. I mean, those I asked Kyle Rudolph about it a little bit after the game. There haven't been the big chunk plays, and, and Rudolph said a lot of the key to that when it happens is that you're able to st- – to sustain drives, it's not necessarily taking shots all the time. It's you're on the field, defense is getting tired. Maybe somebody misses a tackle, maybe somebody blows an assignment, and then the mistake happens. And then all of a sudden, what was going to go for seven, eight yards turns into thirty or forty. That might be part of it, but uh, you also need enough athletes to make some of those things happen, and they are hurting in that regard.
0: And as a side point to that, not to get off track, but you know, sometimes we just draw a. You know, thick dark line between offenses over here, yep. defense over here. They don't affect each other. They're just this unit, that unit. Tonight, they the lack of offense affected the defense. Yes. I think there's no question about that. You have four three and outs in a row. Yep. And those guys over there are going to get tired. Yeah. And, and I and I and then that's the main way they affect each other. Sustained drive after sustained drive by Chicago. I think by the end of this game, I saw people on Twitter saying, well, they look like they're not competing." I think they're just. I think they're just spent. Yeah, I think they're just exhausted.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was a, a, a fair amount of that where people were saying it didn't look like they were fighting or, or working that hard, which is not something you typically say about this defense that they didn't look like they were playing at full speed. But it may have been to a point where, yeah, a you're tired, and b you're probably just a little bit demoralized because I mean they got whipped. And there, there's no two ways about it, and it was it was surprising to see that. I I think that this team is still good enough to get things fixed and. I think they will, especially at home where they've been pretty good. They're undefeated at home. I mean, they were undefeated on the road until uh, eight days ago as well. But uh, you know, they, they've, I think they'll, they'll play well at home. I, I think they'll get it back together. But it, it is going to require them in a short week probably to, to take a pretty hard look at some things, especially with what they're doing on offense. And, and you wonder if they'll have to maybe unveil a few things or, or just a few things that they're doing.
0: Interestingly, last week after giving up so many hits and pressures and all that,
1: which we didn't see those safety
0: blitzes this week. Right. We kind of thought in that
1: sense, the blueprint was not the same.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, That just as an aside. But Mike Zimmer said himself in almost like a shot across the bow a little bit. I know how to fix the protections or I spend all my time studying protections almost like, well, you know, there's certain guys who aren't getting that job done that are on the staff who would be responsible for that. And well, not tonight because the protection was every bit as bad as it was against uh, against the Eagles. The Eagles got a couple fumbles, fumbles, which I think made it stand out more. But there was another strip sack tonight. An odd-looking one, yeah, albeit, which probably wasn't a fumble, but I guess I, I didn't have a good angle to see exactly if the ball went forward. But the point just being another strip sack, there was a sack by McPhee. He was, I don't know, three, four times in, in the backfield mm-hmm. getting after Sam Bradford. The protection issues were not by any means fixed in this game, and I don't know how to fix them. I mean, when I look at this offensive line and how beat up it is and who you're trying to put in there – and, and who the options are, what can you really say? Yeah. Can you say, I mean, you, you tried Jake Long because you had to, because no one else is out there. We, we joked around and talked a little bit about Joe Thomas, but is that really a viable option?
1: Not when he has an $8 million base
0: salary. Right. So it's what do you do to fix the protection it, the only way is to figure out how to get back to releasing the ball quickly, and yeah. if it's just well, they switched and played a different defense. You're gonna have to figure it out.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I, I think uh, I mean you know the, we talked a lot about the blitzes last week, but in the in the piece I did with Matt Bowen, as he pointed out, on the first two fumbles Bradford had in that game, they had seven to block five and six to block five. I mean it was a it was a five man zone pressure in those cases, and tonight our our stats and information people. Had charted it to the, uh, the Eagles. The Bears only blitzed three times the whole wow. game. It, they had. How about that? It was on 7% of Bradford's dropbacks, so I assume that's one out of every 14, which probably means he dropped back 42 times, I would guess. I, somebody can check the, the stats and see if that's what the number was, but it would be one in 14 to 7%. He was pressured on like 28% of his dropbacks.
0: I, I was going to say, all that says to me is.
1: They got holy home with four.
0: Wow, they just got worked. I yeah. mean, that's getting worked by someone else's front four.
1: Yep, and we saw a few more times where they had two tight ends and that kind of thing, but if they're rushing with four and getting home, I mean, that's a, that's always the thing you hear in the NFL, and that back when the Giants, I think, won their first Super Bowl, they had that great group of defensive ends, and they were able to do that. They could rush four, get out, that's how they won that Super Bowl and beat the undefeated Patriots because they were able to get after Tom Brady with four guys, play coverage, and you know not have to do anything else that's basically what the bears were able to do tonight keep seven back in coverage you don't really probably allow sam bradford to take advantage of those mismatches as much as he's been able to do and you get home with four guys it 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 makes it really tough to to get anything going when you're giving up that much pressure with four
0: and it is i mean here's the thing though you're playing the eagles last week yep uh, okay Fletcher Cox is a monster, right? I mean, he's just simply one of the best players in the league. Brandon Graham is emerging as a tremendous edge rusher. rusher. I I mean, I didn't see that coming from him this year. And all of a sudden, he's become one of the best. Pernell McPhee coming back, he didn't play every snap. I saw saw him on the sideline quite a bit. But when he was in, he was making an impact.
1: Willie Young's pretty good. But they have
0: some talent. Yeah. it's not the Eagles, no, though. I not. mean it's not even Green Bay though, who I think gets after the passer sometimes pretty well with their front four yep it's a it 's a it's a, a mediocre front four it 's not a front four that you expect is going to be chasing your quarterback and dominating up front, which makes you think as they play even tougher teams going forward everybody's going to be looking at this going we don't have to blitz at all so we're going to design everything we also don't have to worry about them running
1: yeah so (laughs) we're going to design until december
0: right everything is to shut down sam bradford and he's not cam newton
1: yeah
0: i mean cam Mm. newton can keep you honest when everything else is going badly by running
1: yeah that is something
0: that he cannot do sam bradford
1: yeah and i yeah I, i completely agree with all that and i think that the teams that they're going to play coming up are teams that can blitz a little more. We'll probably see more of that happen. I, you know, every, everybody's asking, are they going to do something at the trade deadline tomorrow? The thing I keep telling people is, and the thing we've talked about is there's six hundred fifteen thousand dollars right now in cap room, and yes, you can make a trade that involves a player that clears some room, but then you have to find a team that is wanting to part with a veteran which probably means they're sort of giving up on the season Mm -hmm. that also wants to take on a veteran player so is it impossible no is it likely probably not given all of the hurdles and the fact that they don't have a first round pick I mean it's it's a bad set of circumstances for a team that made a bold move to get Sam Bradford and, and that that move may still work out how they wanted it certainly was what they had to do if they wanted to keep their season on the trajectory that it looked like it could go now the fact they have all these offensive line issues and they don't have much cap room to deal with it makes it awfully tough to find a a way out of this box other than just to hope that you somehow get better play from these guys I, I I'm not quite sure why Jeremiah Searles needs a concussion from Alex Boone to get in the game. I, I thought he played pretty well. Um, they have made their decision, at least at the moment, to stick TJ Clemmings over there and, and put Jake Long on the left side. We'll see if any of that changes. But I'm not sure that there's any, you know, side door to get out of the box.
0: I mean, that's the thing is, you know, the the interior of the offensive line has been okay at yeah. points during the season. Tonight I
1: thought they had a rough time, though. I mean, Alex Hicks was getting up the middle quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I – No, for sure. And that's the thing is that when the best thing you could say about the offensive line is, well, you know, the interior has had some promising moments, but on the outsides, if there's anybody, anybody who you could stick in on any sort of trade on any sort of move, I don't believe that there will be one like you. It's a very hard thing to swing if there's any chance though, because not, I mean, I was done with T.J. Cummings against Houston, yeah, and then even more done with him against Philadelphia, yeah, yeah. and then just stupendously done with him <laughs> here tonight. I mean, I just think he can't play in the league. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a harsh thing to say. I understand that, but yeah, I mean, I watch just week after week after week where he's just getting torched, and that's the only job you have is to stop those yeah, guys. Yeah, it just it, he is at best a guy who is like. All right, well, someone's hurt come in for 20 plays and yeah. hope that everything doesn't collapse. Not a guy who's starting weeks after weeks in a row and and it's just it's it's starting to hurt you in the win category to have these players in there, Jake Long playing poorly again tonight and then Clemmings who is I mean, I I'm not the only one saying it, but Pro Football Focus has this and and other people too that track about the worst tackle in the NFL.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I wonder if what they'll end up doing tomorrow is trading a late round pick for a guy they can kind of take a flyer on a guy who maybe fits under the cap, you know, with a prorated deal, like, you know, a guy that's making a million and a half or, or something like that, and you prorate it out and it, and it works. Maybe something like that is out there that you could get, you know, a, a guy that has kind of been an, an interchangeable type player. Is it going to solve anything? Is it going to be a long-term fix? Probably not. Is it better than the options you have? I think Maybe. almost anything is better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that that may be the... I, I don't think Joe Thomas is coming here. From what I've heard, the Browns have no interest in trading him. I don't think the, the math works. I mean, everybody keeps asking that question because it's a name everybody knows and it'd be a great fit. I just don't think at this point that it works, given the fact the Browns don't want to trade him. It doesn't seem like. And the fact the Vikings can't make it work. But I will say that if, if they make a move, trading a seventh round pick, a sixth round pick, whatever it would happen to be for a guy that maybe can st- can jump in and start or maybe be in the mix, just just to give yourself one more chance to, okay, maybe this guy can play. I could see something like that, but I'm not sure that there's going to be the math or the uh, the flexibility to do a lot more than that.
0: Are we gonna hear a clamoring uh for Adrian Peterson to come back ASAP?
1: I think we are going to hear more of that, yes. I, I think people are now seeing I mean, the sort of glib uh oh they'll be better without him, you know, he he holds the offense back, all that kind of stuff. You're not hearing as much of that because they haven't been able to run the ball without him. And some of that is the offensive line and, and you could make the argument that no matter who's back there, if they don't have any room to run, they're not gonna be very successful. I, yeah, I think we're going to hear more of that, and I think uh, you know if he comes back, I I certainly think he's going to play. I think we've kind of said that the whole time. What I've heard is is he hopes to be back in for the Cowboys game. I think we talked about that earlier this week. But you know, the people I've heard that from have said, well, that's probably even still a little bit optimistic. Lisa Salters talked to Eric Sugarman tonight, and uh, Sugarman said he's still a little ways from being able to run yet, and, and said one of the things we have to do is sometimes protect these players from themselves which i mean you talk about i think that was a fairly obvious message in there that adrian wants to be back probably sooner than we think it's sensible to do it and we have to take care of that a little bit but yes i do think we are going to get to a point where and it's fair because you need a game breaker and that's your best chance to get one
0: I'm I'm at that I don't want to hit complete rewind on everything we said before because right. I still I still like the versatility of Jarek McKinnon.
1: Yes, to me the caveat to this whole thing is you have to have him come in here and buy into the fact that your offense has changed.
0: Right. Exactly. But on a night like tonight, you need a play. Yeah. I mean Mike Zimmer said it and it's just so right, it sounds like a cliche, but it is just dead on. You need a play. Yeah. You need a guy to make a play. Yep. And this game was winnable. I mean, Mm -hmm. they scored 20. They didn't score 38. Right. It was there. There were opportunities. What you need is someone to get in the end zone uh, on third and one. What you need is, I mean, Stefan Diggs doesn't make that big catch, but you need somebody to break one, a 50-yard run, like Jordan Howard did on the other side. Well, Matt is not doing that. No. And if they're not going to give it to Cordero Patterson on screens all night, then, well, he's probably not going to do it either. Adrian Peterson has that ability that when everything is going wrong, that he can bail you out by making a big play. The offensive line's terrible. Oh, well, the passing game's terrible. Oh, well, he can. And maybe he'll be bad all night long, but all you need is one play famine, and, famine feast. And, and that's what. He, and but I think Jarek McKinnon has that ability. Too. Yeah. I like Jarek McKinnon in this offense still better than I like Adrian Peterson and I didn't think they maximized McKinnon but now after this it feels a lot more like they could have used him tonight. Adrian or McKinnon? Well, either one. I yeah. mean, I think they Something. really I think they really missed any sort of playmaker there. But but Adrian too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would I think that's fair and I think I would guess we'll probably see Jarek McKinnon Sunday given yeah. the fact that he seemed to be pushing to play, and the fact they didn't play him, I think they're probably just hoping that injury quiets down enough that he can turn around and, and be healthy for Sunday. I, I think they need him. I, I think they need somebody that can add a little bit of punch to this offense, and uh, you know, it certainly is going to be one of the big things that they have to fix. In addition to not having another night like this on defense, so we'll we'll see how they go. Sunday against the Lions, and we'll be back with another edition of the Purple Podcast to preview that game later this week, hopefully joined by the Sports Grinch with his very hottest of takes. We are going to get out of here before the lady that comes in and told us we had 20 minutes to record this finally <laughs> shuts us down. She's been very generous. Maybe she just forgot about us, but... Uh we will not tempt fate any longer. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised we haven't gotten cut off now.
0: Uh, yeah, I think if she's probably out there giving us our time, then we much appreciate that. Yes.
1: So this podcast the hospitality is for you, of Chicago. sweet, cleaner lady at Soldier Field. But uh, our thanks to her. My thanks to Matthew Caller. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN.com. We will be back with another edition of the Purple Podcast later this week on 1500 ESPN. We'll talk to you then.